0: So today I want to talk to you about the subject of direction. I want to talk to you about direction. People, I believe, need direction. One of the reasons we need direction is because it's not going to be possible for you to be fervent about anything if you don't know what direction you're going in or where you're supposed to be getting to. In order to be fervent, and we have to be clear, the path's got to be clear, and our and our goal has got to be clear. How many of you have ever driven in a fog before? You just, it's a sunshine day, all of a sudden things happen, and suddenly there's a fog, right? And what was your natural tendency, right, to to pull back, to slow down, to maybe pull over? And in life, it's the same way. We have to have clarity. We have to have a clear direction. We need to be able to know that we're moving in the right direction because we run with fervency when we only know what's clearly ahead of us. I want to... Share this importance, because I believe many of us here are needing direction in our lives. I was, was talking, I was, a few weeks ago I was playing golf with a friend of mine, and we were just talking, I was asking him about his life and things going on, and, and uh, I said, if there's anything you need in your life right now, what would it be? And, and he said, I, I need direction, I just need direction. I said, I get you, I hear that. And uh, so, anyway, some golf courses offer this service of they call it a cart lady. Right? I guess is I don't know what it's called, but a lady in the cart comes by, and she's got Gatorade and drinks and hot dogs and all that kind of stuff, and and she stops as, as you you know as you're there and says, "Is you need anything?" And so this cart lady stopped by and. Um, so we were thirsty, got some Gatorade, and we're standing there, and, and I said, ma'am, excuse me, I, I said, my friend, I, we, we, we have a relationship with, with, with God our Father through Jesus, and we know that God our Father loves to bless His children, and, and I, I, we just would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. Is there anything that you would love for the Father God to bless you with? What would that look like? And without even blinking an eye, she goes, I need direction in my life. I'm like, Wow. And so we prayed for her and and, uh, got back in the cart and my friend said, it seems like a lot of people need direction, doesn't it? And I never forgot that statement a few weeks ago, and, and I believe it's so true. And I, and I want to talk about that because I believe God wants us to have clarity to move forward. So let's just talk about Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. I believe it'll, this is a, a passage that many of you are familiar with. Perhaps if you were in Sunday school years ago, you had a little song called, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A weed little man was he, you know, climbed up to Sycamore, tree. So we're going to talk about that. Let's read the scripture. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Everybody say passing through. It wasn't his intent to go there and to stay there. He was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way and when Jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus come down immediately i must stay at your house today so he came down at once welcomed him gladly and all the people saw this and began to mutter here we go religion kicks in he's gone to be the guest of a sinner but Zacchaeus stood up, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody of anything, I'm going to pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. And I love this line For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. The lost. Aren't you thankful for that passage of Scripture? He has come to seek and to save people that need direction. You're lost because you don't have direction. You're lost because you've lost the way. You've lost because things have gotten foggy and cloudy around you. But Jesus has come to find you and to save you and to give you direction. Turn your neighbor this morning before we get going and tell them you need a direction right now. I know you do and this is for you. Come on. This is for you. Let me give you some context. Now this was a, going to be a very tough week for Jesus. This would be one of the last days of Jesus' life. He was making his way to Jerusalem Passing through Jericho, which is just down the road from Jerusalem. And once he goes into Jerusalem, there will be palm leaves thrown at him, people singing Hosanna, declaring how great a man he was, only for a few days after that to nail him to a cross. This is a tough patch. He's in a tough season. How many have ever been in a touch, tough pass, patch or a tough season? I think we can all say we've been there before. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that people are people, and people have tough patches. I think we give a lot of little grace to a lot of people, but we give ourselves a lot of grace. Isn't that true? It's unfortunate, though, that other people mess up, and we point the finger and we condemn and talk about them. But you mess up, and and it's okay. And no one talk about me. People go through tough patches. And they go through tough patches because they're people. They're made of flesh. and They are working through some stuff. And Jesus went through tough patches as well. But the difference between Jesus and us is that Jesus obviously was God. He was man, and he was God. He was if you would, half man, half God, or all man and all God, however you want to look at it. And Jesus was put on this earth by God the Father as a prototype, if you would, to, to show us how to live our lives. I'm thankful that God loved us enough to do that. And it's, I'm also encouraged in the fact that that not, not always were things good for Jesus' life. It, that he faced tough situations like you and I do. That he was familiar with what fear looked like. It had touched him as well. He he went through times where stress and anxiety tried to rule his his mind and his heart. He understood the pain that is caused by betrayal, and he had been touched by things that we're familiar with like loneliness and experienced everything in this world that you and I experience. I'm grateful that because Jesus had to be in the flesh. He had to show us what a holy life looks like. I'm thankful that our Father, the Son of God, was flesh enough to cry at Lazarus's tomb, but yet he was God enough to raise him from the dead. I'm thankful for a God like that who is able to show us that even though we lose something, we can master the loss. I'm thankful that we have a God like Jesus who was flesh enough to hurt from Judas's betrayal, but yet God enough to kneel down at his feet and to wash his feet and to serve him communion and not wipe him off of his Facebook page because he said something bad about him behind his back. I'm glad we have a God who shows us how to live our life and how to think as we're supposed to think and act as we're supposed to act. I'm grateful that I have a way out when God, when the enemy comes against me and presses in at all sides. I'm grateful that I'm able to take the word and say, Jesus, uh, what did you do when this happened? What did you do when that happened? And I can take th- what he did and I can interpret it into my life uh, and I can walk in overcoming life. I'm grateful I don't have, to, I, there's no excuses for me anymore. I can't say, well, that's just the way I am. No, that's not the way I am. I, my, my, I'm called to be the way he is, and he's shown me how he's supposed to be. And he comes to Jericho, and he comes with a heavy heart. He knows that just, it's just a matter of days, and this whole world that he's known is about to be over. He doesn't come joyfully walking through Jericho, happy and excited, about the days and the events about to come. The weight of the, sin of, the whole, of the sins of the whole world are about to be put upon his shoulders. And yet, he stays on task. Mm. He doesn't get off point. He doesn't lose his focus. He begins to show us what it's like to walk in grace. I'm grateful that I have the opportunity from time to time to see people walking in the grace of God. I've had the opportunity to see people that I've talked to and who've lost a child. God help us, the greatest probably tragedy of all mankind to lose a child and yet to watch them walk into the grace that's provided for them by a living, loving God and to carry this unmerited favor through their weeks and months and years to come. I'm grateful I've been able to see a man who's lost a a wife, or a wife who's lost her husband and see the grace of God fall upon them and they walk into the strength and the joy of the Lord in the days to come. And grace uh, has names and grace can be seen and grace can be touched. And I'm quite grateful that God has showed us uh, what it's like to live in a world that's fallen and yet experience the grace uh, of a loving God from time to time. Aren't you grateful for God's grace, church? I'm grateful for his grace. And there all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this guy named Zacchaeus. Jesus is walking down the road. We've never heard about this guy before. He's never been mentioned in any of the epistle, uh, 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 gospels at all. He's, he's, we, he's not a disciple of the Lord. He's not even a distant follower of the Lord. He's, 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 he doesn't have nothing to tie him to Jesus other than the fact that he was a de- descendant of the chosen people. And he comes into the scene, and we all of a sudden see Jesus taking a walk through a city, and this figure named Zacchaeus appears before us. Zacchaeus, an interesting fellow, a man who had gotten caught up in materialism. This was Zacchaeus. He had forsaken his origin for opportunities, and he's now not acting at all like the son of Abraham, which he was born into, he had, in fact, chosen to live the life of a tax collector. No, not just a tax collector, but the chief of all tax collectors. In that day and time, in the Roman Empire ruled the region, and, and so the Roman, Roman Empire, in order to continue offering the services of their government that they would offer, they imposed taxes upon the people. But in order to get the taxes, there had to be people to get the taxes from the people. And so they became tax collectors. The Jewish people despised the IRS, I mean the tax collectors. They felt perhaps that they were being taken advantage of many times. They felt like the the taxes being imposed were, were wrong in many aspects. And they weren't getting back from the taxes that which the taxes were supposed to give them. And here this man, Zacchaeus, becomes very acquainted with the dealings of the Roman Empire. And he was probably at some point friends with Augustus of that region. He had totally bought in to the culture of the Romans. And it was probably now invited to Roman parties and all the things. Because here, see, the Roman dignitaries of that time, the noblemen of the Romans there operating in that region, they had a lucrative living. They had a lucrative lifestyle. And the lucrative lifestyle that they enjoyed was only because of a guy named Zacchaeus, who was chief amongst all the collectors to make sure that their lifestyle stayed intact. And so no doubt Zacchaeus was taking well taken care of as well as him taking care of the Romans that are in that region. It was like you scratched my back, I scratched your back and so no doubt Zach was invited to the Christmas parties and, and all the shindigs and, and, and all the fancy uh, things going on and the the Tinseltown lifestyle that they all lived and Zach was right there in the midst of it. it. Even though he would walk to the party or drive his chariot or whatever to the get-togethers I'm sure there were stairs coming from the doorways of the people of the city that he collected the taxes from. He was hated by his own people, loved and adored by the people of the world, and he lived in this parallel type of world full of contradictions. He had everything that the world could offer. He had the nice little house on the suburbs of the town. He had a swimming pool, perhaps he had he had a Lamborghini in the driveway, he had all the finest suits he could imagine, uh, sunglasses, uh, he had wild parties going on, uh, he had it made according to men, uh, but yet there was something missing from his life, uh, and the fact was uh, he was disconnected from his heritage, uh, he was a lonely man, he had a hole in his heart the size of Texas, uh, he had a life full of contradictions, he had everything he was supposed to have to make you happy, yet he had nothing in his heart uh, that felt like he was a full, whole man. Uh, Have you ever lived a life of contradictions? It's important that we manage contradictions well. It's important that we understand how to negotiate a life where we believe that God can heal, and yet we're seeing our body decay. That's a contradiction. How are you gonna navigate your life when you got the nice house uh, but you feel empty? When people say, Oh, you're so attractive, but inside you feel ugly, when you feel like you're a leader in the church, and yet at the same time your finances are in the take. Uh, you're on the worship team, but you feel the joy of the Lord seep out of your, your soul when you when you're when, when you're when you're on the praise and worship team and you praise during the morning uh, and you cry at night uh, when you're well known in the Appreciated by the community, but you feel afflicted in your own soul when you know God is a good God and he's for you, but it seems like everything is against you. There's contradictions that happen in life, and if you don't navigate the contradictions uh, through the spirit of a living God, they will find you shipwrecked on the edge of life uh, and done in, uh, and you can't go any further. There will be contradictions, but without and with God's grace... You can make it without God's grace. You won't make it. And Zacchaeus finds himself in this downward spiral. No doubt, no one, perhaps his counselor knew what he was going through. He was sick of being sick and tired. And he realizes I'm on a dead end path. And I need direction. I've got to figure something out. Something has to change in my life. I want to talk to the people here this morning that need direction, that realize that there's some things in their life that aren't adding up. There's some empty holes here, even though you look good there. I want to talk to some people facing some contradictions. Can we do that this morning? Let me quickly, really quickly, I want to give you four things to do in order to get direction that we learned from Zacchaeus' life. Number one, when you need direction, you need to start by quit trying quit trying to fool people. Quit trying to fit in and fool all the people, thinking you got your act together. I remember when we <laughs> moved here, I don't know how long ago, many years ago, and there was a housing crisis going on, and in one of our local communities, I come to find out there were wealthy people who had been wealthy a few years before who lost all of their wealth through the housing crisis. But yet they would still take their kids to school in the fancy car While they slept in a tent in the woods. Just trying to keep the image that I got my act together. How much work does it take to fool so many people? Zacchaeus, fool them all. And guess what? Eventually he would come up short. No pun intended. But he had tried to cover his insecurities. He had been insecure probably his whole life. I understand short people. I've been there. You're always the last person to know it's raining and the first one to drown. It's just not fair to be a short person. And he had been short and always trying to, see short people, they feel like they got to prove something. Come on. I mean, no one, everyone you, you, no one picks you for the basketball team. You don't qualify. No girl wants to go out with a boy that's shorter than him. I thank God that I grew up in a time where we had, you know, those shoes. that had, We call them platform shoes. Come on, remember those? God loved me. My closet was full of platform shoes. I about broke my ankles 15 times, but I, I stood high. At least eye to eye with the girls with sandals on. Full of insecurities, had the wealth have the fame because I'm out to prove something to you. I'm out to show you all that I got something, that that I'm not who you think I am, that there's something inside of me, and I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going to go back to my class reunion. I'm going to have all these fancy clothes driving my fancy cherry Lamborghini, and I'm going to show you all up that I'm more than just a short little boy. I'm a man that's got it all. And how many times have you tried over and over to get somewhere in life to prove something to somebody only to feel like you come up short. Sometimes you just gotta quit trying to fool anybody. You gotta be real who you are and where you're at. Number two, you gotta get in God's path. Can I say it again? You gotta get in God's path. Zacchaeus found out Jesus was coming and, and what did he do? He, he rose up and ran ahead and got in the path of Jesus. Unfortunately, often we, as lovers of God, we, we feel we know where we're going and what needs to be done and so we ask God to join our direction. God, God I need you to come and I need you to bless me here. And I need you to bless me there. I need you to touch me here and touch me there. And come join what I'm doing because I'm doing what I think needs to be done. And, and God's like, you know what? I'd like for you to take a moment and just ask me for my guidance in this situation because it might occur to you from time to time that I've got an opinion here. Instead of us asking God to join our path, it's necessary that we go to God and say, God, help me find your path and show me and speak to me and give me clarity in exactly the road that you're on so I can run ahead and meet you down the road. It's imperative that you see the path that God is on. That's why we pray, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as what? As we see it in heaven. If you're not seeing the kingdom of God and the will of God in the heavenlies, then how are you going to reproduce it in the earth? Oh, you're not, you're not listening to me. Y'all just watching. You've got to see what he's doing in the spiritual dimension so you can reinterpret and walk it out in the natural world. There is no way, if you're not sticking your head up into the heavenly realms, that you'll ever fulfill and walk in the direction of your God completely. But when you see Jesus coming, you'll be able to get on that road and run ahead. It's interesting to me that, that just one street over, had the woman with the issue of blood been just one street over, if she would just been one block over from where Jesus was walking down the street, then she would have never been healed. She was only healed because she got on the path that Jesus was on. She was only touched because she saw the road that Jesus was on. She put herself in a position, put everything to the side until she was able to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. It's interesting to me what God can do if you just put yourself in the position where he's at. If blind Bartimaeus would have been just three streets over, crying out, oh God, Son of David, have mercy on me. If he would just been through, Jesus would have never heard him. But he, put, he was allowed to be put in a position where Jesus was walking by. And there in the path that God was on, there was a collision of the kingdom of God with the kingdom of this earth. And eyes, blind eyes were made whole. It's amazing that the ten lepers were cleansed. Why? Because they were in the vicinity of the road that Jesus was walking on. By all means, whatever you got to do, my brother... And my sister, you better find the road that Jesus is walking on, and you better run ahead and wait for him to come. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you gotta find the road, baby. You gotta find the road. You gotta find the road. David would say, lead me, oh God, in the right path, or my enemies will conquer me and make your way plain for me. And not only did Zacchaeus, to his credit, find the road that Jesus was walking on? But guess what? He found a tree. He found a tree that God had planted before Zacchaeus was ever born. He found a tree that God had in his heart to be at the right place place at a certain coordinates on the map of the world in the right city that Zacchaeus was in at the right location that Jesus was in and God created a, an option. God created an opportunity with a tree long before Zacchaeus even had knew he had a need. Long before Jesus was even on the earth. God provided an answer to a problem that no one even knew they had because God loves Zacchaeus and he wanted to deliver him so God says I'm planting a seed right here and there's going to be a tree in about 100 years or 75 years it's going to grow big big enough for this little tiny man to crawl up the top and have a visitation with the son of God he's got an answer for you when you don't even know you need an answer my, 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 my and number three and we're not going to uh, Wait till number four. Joseph, thank you, man. <laughs> a little cue. I didn't, couldn't find you. Number three, we have to get desperate. We, we, we have to, to get desperate. It's amazing how you don't care what people think when you're desperate. You ever seen a woman lose her child in Walmart? And she can't find him? You better not get in that woman's way. And you better not even try to correct her for talking rude to you as she pushed you out of the way trying to find Junior. She don't care what she sounds like, looks like, all politeness is out the window. Junior! 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 Junior, where are you at? Junior! Junior! No one's in Going, I wish that woman would be, be more respectful around here. No, no, no. We understand. She's desperate. I remember when I was at a ballpark, uh, a, a big major league ballpark, had my son, and I said to him, you stay right with me. You keep your hand on my coat, my shirt tail. Don't you leave. Don't you leave. And, we, and we're, there were 40,000 people in the stadium. And we're all leaving at the same time, and, uh, and I'm, people are hitting each other and bumping against each other, and I turned around, just make sure he's okay, and he's not there. 40,000 people, my boy's not there. Can I tell you, I became the most rude person you've ever met in your life, and I didn't care. Son, where are you at? Son, son, hey, son. I'm pushing people out of the way, yelling, screaming, calling his name. When you're desperate, you really don't care about your reputation anymore. Come on, somebody. I, I, think, I wonder what the church would look like if we didn't care what we look like. That's a tweet. You can tweet that one right there. (laughs) If you really didn't care what people thought about you, Zacchaeus had so much pride. He had so much invested into who he had built himself to be. He had a reputation. His reputation was everything to him. But there comes a point in your life When you're so desperate for God to move in and through your life that you don't care about reputation anymore. And here we see fine-dressed Zacchaeus, sunglasses, fancy clothes, jewelry hanging down his neck, uh, nice beautiful shoes. uh, And we see him running down the dusty streets of Jericho as hard as he can, uh, finding a sycamore tree ahead of the crowd that's coming his way. And he climbs, can you see this guy? He's got robes and jewelry on. He's climbing this tree. You ever climbed a tree before? You can't climb a tree and look pretty. You just get on it. You grab a limb and you put a Leg up here, and you put an arm over there. You can't look graceful climbing a tree, and he's climbing this tree. He looks like a, a complete idiot, but he don't care because he's looking for something coming down the road. He had been with Augustus. He had seen the famous parties that they had all had, but that wasn't good enough. He needed somebody that was on a whole other plane, on a whole other level. He needed to get a vision of a son of God. He needed a vision of the Messiah. And let me tell you something. If you want to get a vision of who God is and who God is in your life, you're going to have to climb and get on a whole other level than the level you've been walking on because this ain't going to work. Oh, come on now. He found that tree and he started climbing up that tree as hard as he could, as fast as he could, waiting for the arrival of the Son of God. Can I just remind you of this? That Jesus hadn't showed up yet. Jesus was way back there in Jericho. He was probably still praying for someone over here, talking to someone over there, counseling with someone. He might have been in that tree 30 minutes. He could have been in there an hour. He could have been in that tree for half a day. But it didn't matter, he was gonna stay in that tree until he was able to block his eyes into the Messiah, the Son of God. There was something, he didn't know what it was, but there was something about this Messiah that he had to interact with or at least see. Can I tell you that sometimes your answer, your miracle, your, the thing you've been praying for is going to take some time. It took Noah 120 years of building a boat before he ever saw one drop of Rain. Sometimes you might be in a tree for a while waiting for a visitation from God. But that's okay. Don't come out of the tree. Stay up in your, make it a house. Put a sink up there. Make your bed. Do something. But get on the path. Climb the tree. Get a new level and wait for the arrival of the miracle that you've been praying for. Come on. Mm. Position yourself. Position yourself. Make sure you're there. Do not Make the Son of God come to that place where God had birthed there to be an interaction, a kairos moment, a meeting with God's kingdom and the kingdom of this earth. Uh, Don't let him come to your tree and look up and you not be there. Can you imagine Jesus coming and Zacchaeus wasn't there? Walking along, stops all of a sudden under a tree and starts looking up. He's walking around. Peter says, What are you looking for, Jesus? Jesus says, Nothing. Jesus, you want me to climb up there and get a fig? What you, you get a fig? What did you want? No. Just thought I was. Thought I was gonna have a visitation. I just came to seek and to save. That which was lost. Don't make him look up a tree and not see you there. You've got to position yourself to see God. Which brings us to number four. Joseph, you've got to bring Jesus into your house. <laughs> and Jesus says, Isaac! Uh, hey, Hey, come on down. Come come on. Everybody's watching. Thousands of people, hundreds, watching Zacchaeus clumsily come down this tree. He's got branches, leaves all over him. He's standing there. Jesus puts his arm around him. I'm taking a little liberty here. I can see Jesus putting his arm around him. Say, come on, boy. Let's go to your house. Oh, by the way, that tree, it served its purpose. We don't need that tree no more. We've got other plans. Mm. Can I tell you that the tree has always had a purpose? There was a tree that Jesus climbed up on because Zacchaeus came down. Come on. Jesus could have said it like this, you come down that tree and I'll go up another tree and your life will never be the same. That's what he said to us. I've run into people and I ask them, tell me what God's doing in your life. And all you know, I got saved when I was 16 or I, I gave Jesus, my heart to Jesus when I was 12 at a youth camp or whatever. You're, you're 60 years old now. I'm asking you what God's doing in your life. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I just remember, you know, I, I was at a church one time and I, and I prayed a prayer and, 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 and Jesus came in my life. Okay, that's great. I'm glad about that tree. Well, what's he doing now? If you're still talking about the tree, and you've been walking with Jesus for a period of time, you don't have no business talking about the tree anymore. He's doing more than that. He said, come on, let's forget the tree. See, use, come on, we, we got other things to do. Because I want to come to your house. Come on. Every single one of us is a house. We're a house that the Lord wants to dwell in. And he says, let's leave the tree behind. And let's go, let's let's see what life looks like with me living and dwelling inside your your house. (laughs) Come on. It's crazy to me. Jesus only has a few days left to live. Seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 days left. And he's going to be in the ground. He just has a handful of days left to live. And yet, he stops long enough to come to to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, I see the hunger in your heart. I see the desire within your spirit. I see the contradictions all around your life. I see the struggle in your mind. I understand what's going on. Why don't you just come on down? Let's let me move into your house uh, and let's just see what God wants to do with your life uh, from a kingdom perspective, not a human perspective. I've come with just a few days left in my life, Zacchaeus, uh, because you're heavy on my heart, uh, and I've come to seek uh, and to save those that are lost. Mm. And he's asking you, can I come into your house? Because that's what he's come to do. Can he come into, you have some of you like, ah, hold on, Jesus, if you want to come come to my house, let me make a couple phone calls first. Hey, Joe, can you go to my house and throw throw out that, stuff, you know, out, out of the fridge and get that pot out of the corner of the house and can, can, you, can, you, do, can you kind of kick my girlfriend out for a few hours? I, I got an important guest coming over. I mean, I mean, that's what it would look like. Jesus don't care about that. He's like, I want to come to your house just the way it is. And we're going to sit, we're going to talk, we're going to eat. We're going to visit because Zacchaeus here is a deal. As it says in Luke 19, you are a descendant of Abraham. You, you've lost your way, but reality is your family. We're family. You know, when, when family comes to your house, if they're really family, they don't knock on your door and go, hey, hey. No, if they're family, this is what it is. Maybe a knock, the door opens at the same time, and a woo come on, that's family. You don't get up, you don't go into the door to meet them, they're family. They walk in, they don't even say hi to you. They walk straight to the kitchen. They open up the fridge, pull them out a chicken drumstick, start gnawing on it with a Coke Coca-Cola in their hand come into the living room while you're watching the game kick their shoes off stick their stinking feet up on your your, your table and haven't even said hi to you what's the score Alabama losing That's never happened before. Family has privileges that other people don't. And Jesus comes in, and says, I wanna be, I want to reconnect you and I together. We're gonna to be family. We're gonna be family. I'd like for you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a second. Maybe you came in this morning. And you're here and you don't even really know how you got here, why you're here. Can I say you're not here by accident? You're here because Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And today, your loving God, your loving Father, has come to your tree and said, can I come into your house? Can I come into your house. And right where you're sitting, the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart and he's saying, let him in. Let him in. Today the Lord would say, he's coming in if you'll let me. How do I let him come in? You ask him. You simply ask him. It's a prayer. It's a request. And I would be honored to be given that privilege to pray with you a prayer, inviting Jesus into your house. So if you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I need things to change. I'm gonna turn my life over to him right where you're at. Not going to embarrass you, not going to call you up. I just want to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray with you right where you're sitting. Say, Pastor, that's to me. Yes. Yes. Who else? Yes. Over on my right. Halfway up. Yes. Anybody else? I want Jesus. Yes. In the center, towards the middle. Yes. Anybody else? Yes, sir, in front. Anybody else? I'm bringing him into my house today. Things are about to change. Right here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, in the back and the right. Yes, I see that hand. Amen. And that hand, yes. Top, middle, right. Thank you. Anybody else? He's coming into my house. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. He's coming into my house. For those that raised your hand, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. I call it an invitation. For Jesus to come in. And we're gonna watch the Lord do something miraculous in your life starting now. In fact, I would like all of us just to join in that prayer together. Can we pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I invite you into my house, and I give you the privilege to clean it out. Forgive me of my sins. And hear my prayer that you would be Lord for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to say thank you. Can we just, yeah, let's just give them a a hand of appreciation. Praise God. That was the most important decision you will ever make in your life. It's so important that we want to make sure that you have a way to grow from this point on. So if you made that decision, we're going to have our prayer teams come up here in a minute. If you prayed that prayer, here's what we're going to ask you to do. On your way out, there's a tent. We're going to ask you to go by We're going to give you a free Bible. We're going to give you some material to read. And we want you to to just fill out a little card and say, Man, I I committed my life to Jesus today. Amen. For us of you here, I just want to say a prayer as well before we dismiss. And prayer teams, why don't you come on for if you need prayer for anything? When we dismiss, they'll be here as well to pray with you. But I believe there's some people here today, and there's been some contradictions going on in your life. It's been uh challenging. You've been in a rough spot, a tough spot. And those are not easy times. I'm not belittling it at all. But they are times where God can come in and show himself faithful. Yeah. So this morning, I, I want to pray for you. Yeah. So bow your heads one more time. Close your eyes. You say, Pastor, there's been some contradictions going on in my life. I not you raise your hand real high. Let me see it. Come on. Yeah. Yep. 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 All over the house. Yes. Yep. Father God, right now in Jesus' name, we just speak, Lord, over these hands and others that did not lift their hands, the contradictions that are there. And we know, Lord God, that you will come and bring direction and speak into these contradictions because that's what you do so we look forward in the hours and days to come Holy Spirit for you to speak and to bring clarity and direction into our hearts into our souls into our lives and Lord we will sense your presence in such a powerful way that we will know that you have stopped underneath our tree and you're here We'll be confident. This is the direction I'm supposed to walk in. This is, this is the path I'm supposed to go. That we will sense it as it would be your arm around our shoulder and leading us down this path that you've called us to walk. We're grateful for you for that. So grateful and thankful. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen.